Lord God, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you that you are here among us as we gather to worship you. We thank you that you bring us together and uh, that you make us whole. And so God, we just thank you for who you are this morning. We thank you that you're a good God who loves us. We thank you that um, when the world would try to divide us, you are uniting us. In Ephesians, there's a scripture that says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit as you are called to one hope when you are called. God, I just ask that this morning you would uh, bind us together in unity, in one body with you at the head, whether we are here in the room or whether we are tuning in online or in home hubs, God, would you bring us together in unity so that in these strange times we could stand together in you, having hope for the future, knowing a love that is unconditional and a peace beyond understanding. We thank you for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you turn and um, do a very COVID safe hello. Say hello. Do an elbow bump. Do a wave. Hey, good morning to our online. Uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We're a big, uh, big fan of you all. We're so pleased that you've um, decided to tune in here with us this morning. Uh, say hello in the chat. Let us know that you're here and tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. Um, good morning. Good morning. morning. I love when you use my name, that's extra good. (laughs) Good morning, Lauren. Hey, uh, weather's been a bit better this week, not quite so hot. How's everybody's mood? A little bit better after the not quite so hot weather? I don't know, I sort of missed the 30-something days. Although uh, I was talking to some of the young adults this morning and they all managed to get sunburnt this week. Um, Not last week, which is surprising to me. Hey, we're um, really glad that you're here with us this morning. I'm just here. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of quick announcements, let you know about some things that are coming up. Uh, if you could all open your Church Centre app and check in, especially if you're online and let us know that you're here, uh, whether you're in a home hub, uh, even if you're watching later on, um, on Sunday, you can let us know that you tuned in that way in the comments and all your beautiful faces here. We can obviously see you, but you can check in that way as well. And when you open up your Church Centre app, you'll see that there's lots of announcements and different things there as well uh, about what's going on in church life. It really is a great way to keep up to date with what's happening in church. Uh, you can get little notifications. You can join a small group that way. Uh, you can see what community events are coming up. So there is some really fun stuff coming up. Uh, one of the big things I'm... Uh, pretty stoked about is summer camp. Uh, So summer camp uh, is, um, this time next week, we'll be one sleep away. So uh, it's getting close and getting really excited, exciting. There is still room uh, for young people to register for camp. So if you are uh, starting grade six this year or starting year 12 this year, you are welcome to join us at camp. We would love to have you. Uh, And you can register through the Church Centre app or you can chat to myself or Brock and we would love to get you registered to camp. It's going to be a great time. Warwick Purden's going to drive the boat. If you know anything about Warwick driving the boat, you know it's going to be a good time. Uh, We're going to be out there biscuiting, having a great time, um, worshipping together. So that is coming up the 17th to the 20th and uh, the youth and young adult team are very excited about that. So that's coming up. The other awesome thing that is coming up really soon, uh, actually next week, is Baptism Sunday. 
I love that matched enthusiasm there from uh, summer camp to baptisms because baptisms are awesome. Uh, and it was not that long ago that we uh, had some baptisms. So it's pretty exciting that um, we have some more people ready to make that declaration of faith. There's still uh, room if you would like to be baptised. Uh, we would love to uh, do that with you and support you through that uh, step, next step in your faith. So you can uh, register your interest to do that on the Church Centre app or you can speak to one of the pastors or... Um, at the welcome table or one of our hosts, we would love to point you in the right direction to get you baptised if that's something that you're at all interested in. Um, it's such a, a beautiful celebration that we can have together uh, as a community of believers. So that'll be uh, next week. It'll be happening right over there uh, and it'll also be streaming to our online um, as well. So if you're not able to be here in the building to celebrate with us, you'll be able to celebrate there. Awesome. There's some other stuff, fun stuff coming up in church life. I think there's bike rides and all sorts of fun things happening. And you can find all that information in your newsletter, uh, which you either get a paper copy as you come in or gets emailed to you or on your Church Centre app. You can do everything that you need to for church life there. Um, check in, let us know that you're here, connect cards, giving, all of that can be found on your Church Centre app. Cool? Amazing. Why don't you stand? Uh, I'm going to pray for us as we then continue to, uh, to worship. Lord, I just thank you for this uh, time that we have this morning, uh, time just dedicated to you. I pray that um, throughout our week, we see you at work uh, all the time, every day, that you are the centre of our lives. But we just thank you for this dedicated time where uh, we get to come together uh, before going out into the mission field. God, we just thank you that you love us, and we ask that you would cause us to love others more. God, that you would help us to make disciples in our community. We thank you for um, the tithes and offerings uh, that we bring to you, uh, mostly online now, God, but we thank you uh, that even with contactless tithing, uh, you are still a faithful God. Um, and so we just thank you for how your kingdom will be grown through that. And so, God, we just ask that you would be with us this morning uh, as we worship you, whether it's in the building or online, God. We thank you that um, you are not limited. You are not limited by the things that we think you are. And so we just give you glory this morning, and we turn our hearts to you and ask that you would change us, that we would come away from this morning's time different. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that you are for us. God, that you love us more than we love ourselves. You love our our families. God, we pray that this, this blessing, this promise of yours would be fulfilled. God, we thank you that you, you have such a good plan for us. You know the days, not just tomorrow, not just next week, but the years to come. God, and they are good plans. They are good days ahead. God, because they are in your presence. They are in relationship with you. And God, I pray that we would be a church, we would be a people that walk in step with you, that are led by you and lead others towards you. And God, we pray for these next moments, God, that you might speak to our hearts, you might rekindle a passion for you, that you might rekindle a passion for the lost, like only you can. And so God, we... We ask you, we say, speak to us now. Holy Spirit, have your way. 
Speak to us your truth. Speak to us your word. And help us to hear what it is you have to say. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Please grab a seat. Good morning to those who are joining us online, um, at home, in the comfort of your lounge room. Special welcome to those in the building this morning. It's great to see your foreheads and your eyes. The best foreheads and eyes I've ever seen. Very, very good. Um, Now, you may have been expecting someone else to be preaching this morning. If if you're an astute reader of your newsletter, who is? I see lots of hands. Lots and lots of hands. Uh, You may have noticed that Renee was supposed to be preaching this morning, but due to COVID and isolation and all the things that are happening, that was a last-minute change yesterday. So I got the call up yesterday to quickly whip together a message, which I'll I'll be honest, I didn't pull together a whole message. Um, Instead, I'm going to preach on a parable that is probably my favourite parable. And so if you've heard me preach in church before, you probably have heard this parable and heard me preach on it before. Who can guess what that parable is? The lost son, the prodigal son, the loving father, whichever one you want to call it in Luke chapter 15. And probably, arguably, the most well-known of the parables. For those of you who aren't aware, we're in a series of parables. Sorry, I should have clarified that to begin with. Last week, we talked about the, um, the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. And so, this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at this lost son, or the prodigal son, or the loving father, or it's got a few different names. Uh, so, we're going to read it together. It's a, I mean, in terms of length, it's a lengthy parable. One of the things we talked about last week is that Jesus had a way of communicating a message in a very short amount of time, unlike preachers of today who take a long time to say not much. But luckily we're full of grace and you um, can bear with me. So let's read Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 11 to 32. I think it'll be on the screen. I'm reading from the CSB version if you're playing along at home and trying to figure out why the words are different. He also said, he being Jesus. Jesus is telling the parables, uh, and they're the parables that we're looking at. No one else told parables, just Jesus. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. And then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who set him, sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field, and he came near the house, and he heard music and dancing. And so he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came and who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us afresh this morning. Help us to understand your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Give us a wave, um, or maybe say in the chat, just, oh yeah, just a general wave, thanks Jack. Um, if you have a brother, yeah, how many people have brothers? I have a brother. And you know the, the, the term brotherly love? It's sort of, um, or brotherly affection. There's sort of this idea that there's a, a, a bond between brothers that is closer than, um, maybe closer than others. Or, 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 and, I, and I think it's appropriate for sisters as well. I, I see that. Um, I've got two sisters and there's a sisterly affection or sisterly love. And I always think it's a funny thing because brotherly love is, it's different because there's, um, I can't think of a person that I've probably punched more than my brother. Actually, I don't think there is. Like, growing up, that's probably the person I've hit the most in my entire life. And I mean, I'm not a big hitter, but if there was, if there was a, a, a count for how many times there was a punch thrown, it was, he, he's got the highest count for sure. It's a funny sort of love, isn't it? It's like this love of... Um, and I see it now in my two... I've got two young sons and a, a very little daughter. Um, she's not so much involved in the, the squabbles yet but probably not far off. Um, It's a funny sort of love, you know, because there's constant fights, but there's constant obsession. There's like this intense relationship. Um, And there's everything in between. One minute they're, um, you know, they want to sleep in the same bed and they don't want to be separated, and then the next day they want their own rooms and never to be, you can't play with my toys ever again. You know, it's very over-the-top dramatic and... It's a funny thing to watch. Um, and, you know, I see this parable and I just see this idea of this brotherly affection that's maybe not um, completely there. And I want to look at this story in, from the two different sons' points of view or the, or the lens or the perspective from these two different sons because they experience the same sort of grace but in different ways. There's two sons at home, there's a younger one and an older one. And I think what's important to note as well about this parable is that it's the third parable of a series of parables illustrating the same point. And Jesus here is, he's building momentum, he's building the, the climax of the love of the Father through these parables. He tells the first one, which is the parable of the lost sheep, and then the second one is the parable of lost coin, and then he builds to this one the parable of the lost son. 
And he's demonstrating through all three parables the love that the Father has for the lost, for all of us. So we see um, right from the start that there is two sons and they are both equally lost. They are both equally lost, but they are, um, their lostness looks different. So we got um, Luke 15, verse 13. It says this about the youngest son. The youngest son gathered together all he had and travelled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. He gets to this point in his life and maybe he's just turned 18, maybe he's just got his licence. I'm not sure what's going on. He's just got his first horse. I don't know how it worked, if you had your learners on your horse or whatever. But he thinks, this is my chance. I'm free. I can take some money and I can go live how I want. Uh, and like when you turn 18, maybe this happened for you, maybe not. Um, I know I had this grand idea that I can get, move out of home, be 18, I can be free, I can do whatever I want. And it hits you like an avalanche, the responsibility that you suddenly have when you're out on your own. Like the dishes need to be doing every day. You need to vacuum like at least once a month. Your sheets start to smell after six months. Like these things that you just didn't realise um, freedom meant. It means all these different things that you just didn't contemplate. And I think in the same way, this younger son goes free and goes, oh my gosh, like this didn't work out like I planned. This didn't work out like I planned. I think there's, um, there's this illusion that Living apart from God is this ultimate freedom in the sense that you can be your own God and you can do whatever you want, you can live however you want and for a while it's true but it's sort of like, maybe it's like parachuting without or skydiving without a parachute. It feels free for a while but after a while there is no freedom left. It runs out. It would feel free for a moment. And this is the foolishness of the younger son. That he is wild, he is wasteful, and he's abandoned. All he has known, all, his, um, all that he's had to go and live this way. And in verse 15 it says, he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And this idea of work for is really this idea of um, glue or binding himself to, to somebody else cleaving to or joining himself to someone else. That's the, the meaning behind that word. And I think it's true to say that whenever we're not attached to God or whenever we're not in the kingdom of God or the presence of God or at home with the Father, we are ultimately joined to something else. We ultimately attach ourselves to something else. Everyone's life is attached to something. Everyone has a God. Everyone has a, a sense of... Um, of meaning in their life, of what they ultimately hold to. And we will join ourselves to someone or something whenever we're not in the presence of God. We're never really free when we leave God. We're just attached to something or someone else. We are always a slave or bound to someone or something. In Luke 15, and then the next verse, in verse 16, it says, He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. I think it's true to say that we'll always be left wanting when we leave the home that we were made for. We cannot find the satisfaction anywhere but in the presence of God. The idea that this youngest son would go and eat 
with pigs. Um, if you've heard about this parable before, you know that Jews and pigs, they just don't meet, and this was sort of the lowest of lows and the ultimate insult, the ultimate separation from God. But pigs were unclean, and so this young son who wants to live and eat as the pigs do is just the pinnacle of showing how separated and distant he is from God, how, how separated he is from the Father. So the younger son's lostness is so obvious because he is literally departed. He's separated from the father. But equally so, the older son's lostness is there as well because he stays at home, but he's not really home. He's bound to this legalistic relationship with the father. He uses this term, um, slaving. Um, I don't know if I wrote this where that verse was, but he, um, in in verse 29, it says, he replied, look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. You you never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And so this older son's view of what relationship with God looks like is, is off. It's not right. It's distorted. He was in the right place, but he wasn't home. He was lost. He was somehow thinking that his goodness, his rule-keeping, his ability to live up to a certain standard was what, was what would make his dad ultimately happy. And this is probably the greatest lie of the enemy for those that are in, um, in relationship with God. That once you get into relationship with God, there's a certain standard that you need to live at before God will stay happy with you. When we first walk into relationship with God, there's a sense that God loves me as I am and grace covers all my sin and I'm so happy to be home. But then we quickly fall into the trap of thinking that now God's not happy with me anymore because I've got to live like this before he'll stay happy with me. But when we understand that it's the grace of the Father that that keeps us saved and that keeps us at home, it enables us to live free at home. We're not a slave, but we're free. And the older son was completely missing the point of the father's love. So we've got the older son, we've got the younger son, they're both lost. And then the father provides this home or provides this space where they are both welcomed back into relationship with him. And I want to look at um, three things that the father does to provide this sense of home that enables the sons to feel like they can have a relationship with God. And I want us to think about it not just from our own point of view, like how we relate to the Father and what the Father does for us, but I think this is also a beautiful picture for us as a church of what it is to create an environment where people are welcome home. The things that the Father does helps the younger son in his, you can see it in his um, apprehensive about going home. He's, he's worried about how he will be welcomed. But what the father does is create a space where the younger son is embraced when he comes home. And he does it through, I think, lots of different things, but I want to show us three. And the first one is this idea of expectation. Expectation. I don't know what your home looks like. I don't know who lives in your 
house, whether you live by yourself or whether there's a family or whether there's housemates or however it looks. But whatever it looks like, there is an expectation of who will be there um, every night, relatively speaking. And there will be people that maybe turn up at unexpected times and we might call them visitors or we might call them something else. But they might come and knock on the door and make their way in or try to and you can, um, you might have this happen and someone's knocked at the door and you think, I wasn't expecting anyone to turn up today. I haven't got dressed like I would uh, normally be seen in public. Um, I haven't um, showered or I haven't, whatever it is. And so you quickly pull yourself together and answer the door like, hey, how are you? Come on in. Um, But when it's uh, maybe someone that you live with or a family member and they come home, there's an expectation that they're coming home. And there's there's a seat at the table for them. There's a bedroom for them. There's clothes for them. There's food for them. There is their things that are there. You know, there's a real expectation that they're coming home. That person is going to come home. Maybe they're out at work. Maybe they're at school. Uh, maybe they're out visiting someone. Maybe they've gone for a, a run and a ride if they're really silly. Uh, or whatever it is. And they're coming back home. The Father, our Father in Heaven, has this expectation of people coming home. It's not a surprise to him. In Luke 15, the very first two verses where Jesus sets up these three parables, he, he's, he speaks these parables because of the, um, the problem that the tax collectors and the Pharisees have with Jesus. Because this is the problem that they had about how he welcomed sinners. Read this in verses 1 and 2. The tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is what the Father does. He expects, he looks for, he waits for. And it's not a passive word, it's an active word, and we see it demonstrated in all three parables. In the first one, the lost sheep, the shepherd is not um, expecting the sheep to come home in the sense of just, I hope he comes home, but he's expecting the sheep to come home so much so that he goes out to find it, to bring it home. And the lost coin, there's an expectation that the 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 woman with the lost coin is going to find the coin because she goes and searches for it. The coin is there. It's there to be found. It's there to come back into my possession. And the lost son, the father, goes out to the gate, looking out on the road, expecting the son to come back. He's not sitting on the couch in the lounge room thinking, oh man, I've lost a son. He's out at the gate thinking, when's he coming home? When's he coming back? I'm expecting a return. He's looking for a return. He's waiting for his son to come home. Verse 20 of Luke 15, he got up, the son got up and went to his father and while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. You can imagine that picture. Day after day, the father going out to the gate, looking for, expecting, anticipating, maybe today's the day. Maybe my son's coming home today. How many days would this have gone on before someone said to him, maybe he's not coming back? Maybe you shouldn't waste your time going out to the gate anymore. Maybe you should just wait in the house. Like, he hasn't come back all these times, so why are you bother 
wasting your time, wasting your energy, wasting your resource doing that. Maybe he's gone for good. Don't get your hopes up. I think there's a, a truth that as a church we need to have this sort of anticipation, expectation of the lost coming home to relationship with the Father. Maybe we've had friends that we've tried to witness to. Maybe we've got people in our family, in our life, in our circles that we think, oh, I really want them to come into relationship with God. But I've tried. I've tried all I can and it's just, it's not happening. So I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll bother going out anymore. I don't think I'll bother trying anymore. I don't think I'll bother expecting it anymore because it's just, it's gone on too long. I'm just going to, I'll wait for them. If if they want it, they can can come to me. I think as a church, as a community, we need to have this expectation, this going out, this activeness in our looking for. The older son, there was an expectation that he would come home as well. In Luke 15 verse 28, it says, the older son became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Again, you see this idea that the father coming out to the son, the father going to where the son is, expecting, anticipating, looking for. He wasn't angry with his older son. He was going out to him in a, in a sense of, come home. I'm expecting you to come in, to be a part of the celebration, to be a part of what's happening in this home. You're invited, you're welcome to. You don't need to go and get lost to be found. You are here, so come on in. I've been expecting you. The second thing that the home has is provision. It's got expectation and it's got provision. Provision in the sense that there is still a place for the sun to sleep. There's a place for the sun to sit at the table and enjoy a meal. There is provision. There is a fattened calf ready to go. Verses 22 and 23, the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. This dad had been waiting for this moment, not just expecting him to come home, but providing for that moment being ready for everything that that might entail. And the same way to the older son, he said in verse 31, Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. There was provision for both sons. They had their seat at the table. They, the father was waiting for them to come on in and celebrate. And Jesus has done exactly the same for us. In Romans 5 verse 8, God proved his own love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. There is provision before there is repentance. There is provision before there is heart or behaviour change. There is provision before anyone ever turns up. There is expectation and there is provision. And then ultimately there is grace. One of the things that happens when you work as a pastor at a church is that you get a lot of um, unsolicited phone calls, emails and letters sent your direction. Uh, And some of them are great, some of them are interesting. 
Um, and sometimes the ones that come across my desk or come across uh, my inbox are what you might, or what someone might call a prophetic word, or well, they think it's a prophetic, prophetic word to, to everybody. Uh, but it normally comes along the lines of this. Uh, whatever is happening in the world, whatever, whether it's, um, let's take COVID-19 at the moment, this is happening as the judgment of God. Repent. And there's this sort of forceful language used around this idea that God is judging humanity and he is sending bad things humans way because they need to repent whether it's bushfires or floods or you know whatever the latest event in the world is happening it's sent by God as his judgment what I don't see in this parable is that the fire or the the judgment of the father on the son it's not that the judgment of the father that the younger son is thinking about if I don't go back then he's going to make it worse for me. There's no sense that the younger son is thinking like that. There's no sense that the younger son is thinking, this can get worse. It's not the judgment that draws the younger son back, but rather it's the goodness, it's the grace that leads the younger son back towards repentance. Listen to these verses in verses 17 to 19. When he came to his senses, this is the younger son, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, and say all the things that he was going to say, make me like one of your hired servants. It was the goodness of God that led him towards that point of repentance. The goodness of God. It was remembering my father, he treats people well. He loves well. He provides all that people need. I could go back to him. I mean, it's never easy to admit that you're wrong. It's never easy to turn around and say to someone, I, I made the wrong decision. I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. And, the, and generally, the people that you do that Two are people that you know are grace or have grace towards you or have love for you. It says here that he came to his senses. Another way that you might translate that is he came to himself. Sin will always break our relationship with ourself and with God. We won't know ourselves properly. We won't know that we are made in the image of God for the purposes of God. If we are running from the one who made us, we are ultimately running from ourselves. We are ultimately running from the person God has created us to be. We were made by God in the image of him. So repentance will not just turn us back towards God and relationship with him, but it will bring us back to ourselves, to our identity in who God has made us to be. The son thinks about coming home, preparing his speech, and he uses this phrase, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I think that's one of the pivotal moments in this story, is this idea that the younger son thinks that sonship comes from worthiness. That somehow to be a son or to be a daughter is, is proven by how worthy you are to be a son or a daughter. 
Now, for those who have ever had kids, you know that that's not the case. You know that there was no way that that child was created because somehow they were worthy to be created. That's just not how it happens. It's because they were created that they are sons and daughters. Sonship comes from being born, not from being worthy. And it's the same for you and for I, that our sonship, our daughtership, I don't know, is that, I suppose that's a word too, our daughtership comes from being born, from being saved, from what Jesus has done, not from anything we could ever do. And this is the goodness of God. This is the goodness of God, and this leads us towards repentance. Romans 2 verse 4, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint and patience, not recognising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? He thought, even his servants have bread to take home. Some of us need to realise that the God we serve, the one and only true God, is a good God. Not a God of trouble, not a God of bad luck, but He is a good God. And He is a loving God. He is full of grace. And so whether you find yourself in the place like the younger son or the older son, thinking, I don't know if I could ever turn back. I don't know if I could ever fully come in the house because I just don't know if I'd be accepted I don't know if God would really love me I just haven't lived like I should his goodness is intended to lead us to repentance because he has created a place that is expecting us that has provision and that has grace the youngest son when he reached where his father was standing he began his speech. And if you read that parable, the speech that the, the son had prepared, what he was going to say, he didn't get through all the words. He didn't get through what he, would, he was planning to say. The father sort of cut him off mid-speech and says, come on in. We've, we're ready for you. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate. There is no need for paying back. There is no need for him to come back as a hired servant and earn his way back into the home. The father was just ready for him to come on in. And this is the truth for all of us. That God is expecting us, providing for us, and full of grace towards us. And when we think about this grace, we can think about... One thing we can think about is that, well, if God is always gracious like that, then I'm just going to be like the younger son. I'm just going to live how I want because I know that He'll love me anyway. He'll accept me back. But when we experience the love of God, when we experience the grace of God, it does the opposite. It doesn't cause us to want to live apart from God. It wants us to live in relationship with Him. When you know someone who loves you, who, who desires the best for you, it doesn't cause you to want to abuse that relationship. It doesn't cause you to want to do whatever you want in that relationship because you know they're always going to love you. In fact, it does the opposite. It makes you want to live closer to that person. And it's the same with our Father. When we come towards Him, it helps us to see how much He loves Him and how good His plan is for us. Once you experience the grace and love of God, 
It causes you to run towards, not away from the Father. Towards his plan and purposes and not away. And so wherever you find yourself at the start of this new year, and we're still pretty much at the start of it, I want to give you an opportunity to run towards the Father. Whether you find yourself in a place like the younger son, completely away, or like the older son, sort of close, but missing the relationship, not in the home. There is a father who is waiting at the gate, expecting you to return, providing, full of grace, just as you are. And for us as a church community, together, that we will be a place that has expectation this year that people are going to come home, that we are providing, we have provision for new people, whether that's in our relationships, in our small groups, in our social networks. We are providing space. We have that extra seat at the table and full of grace, just as they are. And so I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes where you're sitting, if you're at home, and you can, I'll ask you to close your eyes. And just to take a moment and say, is, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning about the need to come home, to embrace the Father once again, to start this year, to have a, a moment of repentance, of understanding that there is provision for you, and this leads you to repentance. If you need to come home, this is your invitation. This is your invitation. This is the, the point in which you can surrender afresh to the love of the Father. And I'm going to pray for you. If you want to be included in this prayer, I'll just ask you to raise your hands or put your hands out in an in a act of surrender to say, I want to come home. I want to embrace the love, the grace of the Father. whether you're at home or in the room. Lord Jesus, you see our hearts, you see these people who are in a place of wanting to come home. And God, you have nothing but love for them. And God, I pray that as we begin this year, we might be running towards you in every way possible, understanding that you have a good plan for us, understanding that you have provision for us, understanding that you have grace for us. And God, that we might be like you. We might have the same expectation, provision and grace for those that don't yet know you. God, that we will be a, a church that is ready at the gate for people to come home. God, that you help us to be active in our looking. You help us to be active in our giving of grace, showing of grace. Lord God, we thank you for your provision in our life. We thank you that you have sent your son before we were anything, before we did anything for you, before we made any sort of step in your direction. God, you sent your son to take our place. You showed us the ultimate grace, the ultimate love.
And so, God, we turn back to you this morning. We turn back and we run towards you. and We want to embrace all that you have. We want to celebrate you with you. We want to live in relationship with you and the plans and the purposes you have for us. God, would you help us to remember that every day this year? That we can run towards you. That you love us just as we are. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Tea and coffee for those in the room is on this morning, so please stick around if you can. Enjoy some tea and coffee. Say good day to someone. Meet someone new. For those at home, thanks so much for tuning in and streaming online. We'll be back next Sunday with Baptism Sunday. Have a great week.